America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often, the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is Real America. Today, I'm going to be speaking with two of the first Korean-American women to ever serve in the House of Representatives, California Congresswomen Young Kim and Michelle Steele. We're going to learn about their backstories and what motivates them to serve their constituents in Congress. We'll cover diversity within the Republican Party and their legislative priorities heading into their first re-election bids this fall. We've never done this before where we've had two guests at the same time. I'm so excited to have my friends on. I'm going to ask them to each introduce themselves. I'm Michelle Steele. I represent California 48th Congressional District, Seal Beach, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, and Laguna Beach, all the beautiful cities. And it's going to be changed. So next year, I'm going to represent California 45th District. Hi, I'm Young Kim. I currently represent California's 39th Congressional District, and I'm running for 40th uh, district uh, for re-election. Welcome to Real America. Well, thanks for having us. I'm yeah, so excited to, to have you guys. Michelle. Thank you for inviting us. I want to take it just a minute to introduce you to folks because you're part of this wave of freshman House members. California was key to us picking up those 15 seats, uh, but you've got great personal stories. So Michelle, can you just tell us a little bit of your story coming to the United States and then how you ended up in Congress? You know, actually, I was born in Korea and raised in Japan, so I speak Korean as my first and Japanese my second. Really? Yeah, my mother was a teacher since I was one, so I wanted to be a good housewife. <laughs> I don't know what happened now, but <laughs> that's the way it started. And then my father passed away. My father was a diplomat, and my mom followed me. Actually, my pronunciation got really bad in America, I mean, in Japan, so... McDonald, I used to pronounce McDonald, and doctor is Tokutoro, and my father said, you have to go to America, learn proper English. So he sent me here, and then he passed away. So my mom followed with my two younger sisters. Sisters, yeah. And then she opened up the clothing shop. She was a teacher all her life in Korea and Japan. And, you know, clothing shop. Think about it. Never done that before. But she never cheated, though, because she doesn't know how to cheat, right, no. teachers? So my mom opened it. A few years later, it's a seven days work. So she shut down. And then she said, let's move on to the building sandwich shop. It's five working days per week and then shorter hours. And then as soon as we did, tax agency hit her. Yeah. So she paid the taxes that she didn't owe, plus interest and penalty on the top of it. When that seat opened up, I told my husband, I'm running. That's what happened to my political <laughs> you life. You were running. Well, and before that, you were on, was it the California? State Board of Equalization. State Board of yeah. Equalization. Mm -hmm. And you were the, like, the, at right. one time, the highest elected mm -hmm. um, Asian, Asian American in the Republican I had, Party. Mm -hmm. I had 9 million constituents. 9 million yeah. constituents. I but, didn't even know that there was. What does the State Board of Equalization do? They actually directly collect sales tax, but okay. at the same time, it's a tax court in California. So when you have any tax problem between agencies, then you come there and then property taxes, personal taxes, sales taxes, you name it. And then we are the one final saying. 
And then, and part of your reason for running was because of what your, you saw because, with your mom. Yeah, taxpayer got harassed and, you know, innocent taxpayer got harassed. And I love that you did yeah, that, yeah. that you saw. And, and then you have a kind of a similar story in some ways with the California Assembly, but tell, how, sure. tell your story, your Sure. So I was born in uh, South Korea okay. in, in the aftermath of South uh, Korean War. So I saw the devastation in South Korea. My family, most immigrant families, especially from South Korea, we didn't have much, but my parents made that tough decision and made the sacrifice to bring me and my family and siblings to America. Uh, I grew up on the island of Guam to finish my uh, junior high school there. I didn't know that. Okay. And I remember regularly going down to the beach because my mom would take me down there and she would ask me to pick up cans and bottles. Uh, at the time, of course, you know, I was just doing what my mom was telling me to do. But later I learned that she would go and recycle it. And then whatever the modest funds that she was able to raise, she would give it back to church. And that really helped to, uh, you know, put a down payment on our very first church in Guam. That church still stands. Korean I bet American I've been to that Korean church. church. I've been to Guam. <laughs> That's the only one there. Yeah, right I'll now. bet I've been there. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. And then after that, of course, you know, yeah. I came to uh, Hawaii to finish my high school, came to California to go to USC, fight on. Mm -hmm. We are both fight Trojans. On. And so I uh, graduated from uh, USC, went into private sector uh, to work in a private sector as a controller. My uh, I studied accounting at USC. Okay. And then after that, I uh, started my own business and met then State Center at Royce. And from there, I had tremendous opportunity to understand what it's like to be in a political office, to be able to help our community. And lo and behold, the, you know, 30 plus some years later, uh, I would be given an opportunity um, to serve the very community where I raised my four grown children. Oh my goodness. Uh, and uh, now we are mom, grandmas. Mm -hmm. Now we are trying to live that American dream that this country was so fortunate to provide that for us. Because my parents came here to give us that economic and educational opportunity we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. So again, you know, the fact that Michelle and I and many of us like immigrants are able to serve our community and our country this way. Yeah. It really shows that American dream is real and it's alive. And we are working hard every single day to make sure that American dream continues for the next generation. I love it. And part of the reason I wanted to have you on together, you're both powerhouses on your own, but uh, it's because one, you're the first two Korean American women to serve in Congress to your your districts neighbor each other mm -hmm. and you're both freshman congressional members i know your friends but you're also from the state of california mm -hmm. which i think right now when you look at california and the policies and the regulations and the things that are happening in california at the state level not obviously you guys mm -hmm. it really represents a lot of what the democrat party stands for mm -hmm. and what is wrong yeah with what's happening in their party right now. So I'm going to talk to you both about a couple of things and uh, a lot of the issues that I think resonate around the country. Michelle, gas prices in California are higher than anywhere else in the country. What does this mean for your constituents? And you actually have a legislature right now mm -hmm. pushing to take the gas tax even higher. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. That, you know what? I thought we already hit the bottom. Yeah. So all the people are against you know, who are serving right now in California, but I guess it's not yet. But 
gas price, actually California delegation, we sent a letter out to repeal all the state gas tax. State gas tax is about 51 cents per gallon. Even we take that amount out, we are still paying the highest gas price in the nation. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what? Actually, they had a chance to vote to actually, you know, just get rid of that state gas tax. And Democrats decide not to do it. So we are asking for six months, hopefully that permanently, because in California, we had surplus of $47 billion, means that they collected the way too much taxes. What was your surplus again? What was 40, the surplus? 40, 47, 47 billion. billion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That and was the California surplus? Yes. And they won't give any gas relief? And then this so- gas relief is only $8 billion per year, means That's that, you know what, you have to get rid of it. Yeah. So that's what we are doing and sending the letter. But at the same time, there's a bigger problem. Because since 1994, over 1,000 drilling applications are in there. Not even one permit came out since 1994. Why don't we drill our own land? Yeah. What's the problem here? Exactly. There's no solution yeah. without doing that. Exactly. I know you were you were thinking the same thing. Oh gosh, I'm thinking the same thing because <laughs> Michelle and I we uh, were able to uh, rally our California entire delegation to send a letter to, uh, you know, to really repeal and suspend that extra fifty cents per gallon that Michelle is talking about. So you talked about this really important, but I just want to echo how crazy Sacramento is. When this bill, the, our friends in Sacramento, California Republicans had a plan, they had a bill, they introduced it. When they were dealing with this in the committee markup, they, instead of working to pass it and suspend it, we're only asking for six months. Six they months. Six months. changed that bill into another high tax increase bill. How crazy is that? So it's really outrageous in uh, uh, California. I've experienced it when I serve in the California you were in State, the State Assembly. Assembly. Yep. And this is exactly what they're doing when they have a one-party dominance. But yeah. this is what we're seeing in Washington, too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If Joe Biden and the Democrats had their way, why isn't Joe, just like they're not drilling in California, mm-hmm. Joe Biden won't do it in our country and the American people are suffering. And, and they're blaming Putin. They're blaming the <laughs> Ukraine crisis. But haven't yeah. you seen those stickers at the gas stations yeah. with Joe Biden saying, I did that? Have you seen that? All these people <laughs> yes. that put... You know what we are doing? Actually, we are registering, registering people yes. at the gas at station. The gas station. Yes, that's yeah, the exactly. We're doing yeah. that too. Yeah. We're registering voters at the gas station because yeah. people are so mad. But it also they reminds them this is the Biden gas hike. Yeah. But Gavin Newsom's doubling down. You also have a border issue in California. So I think a lot of the issues that the country is seeing under Joe Biden really are represented in California. Let's talk about the border crisis. Uh, We know that crossings are incredibly high. We know that drugs are coming across our border. Mm -hmm. We know that we have a massive amount of weapons Mm -hmm. that are being seized at our border. There is no law Right now, there's no rule of law. What does it mean in, in your state with what you're seeing? It means the border crisis is not getting any better. So let me tell you, Rana, I've been down to the border three times since I've been in office, not to mention a few more times as I was campaigning. And it's gotten worse. There is human trafficking, which yeah. is mm-hmm. seriously uh, serious. We need to think about that, too, or 
talk about that. And then the illicit drug activities that is coming through our southern border, the fentanyl is number one reason why we have so many Americans dying uh, the, mm -hmm. between the ages of 18 to 45. We need to address those. And this administration is now trying to eliminate the Title 42, which exactly. capped mm -hmm. our Border Patrol agents to, uh, what is it, the overcrowding at yep. the uh, detention centers. Even without those, we're, we have seen over 2.2 million illegal crossers, drug trafficking, fentanyl, the coke, and mm -hmm. everything else that you're talking about. We need to put that under control. So... I am calling out, telling the Biden administration, get your butts down there. You haven't done that. When this person, freshman, has gone down there three, three times, times. And Biden's never been, never ever. Been. No, our no. borders are. No. Kamala Harris, where is she? I know. They need to get down there. And it's past time they take this problem seriously. So I introduced the bill. Southern Border Strategy Act. You know, federal law requires that our federal government come up with the uh, Northern Border uh, Border Strategy. Uh, Northern Border Northern uh, Border Strategy, right? But we don't have anything that deals with the southern border. So my legislation, which is getting a lot of traction right now, is to ensure that Department of Homeland Security comes up with a, a strategy to deal with. This uh, situation at the southern border, and I'm—I think you are on it too. And we really need to get handle on this. We do, and I think Michelle, I, I'm going to ask you this because I think it's hard for Republicans mm -hmm. and people around the country, not just Republicans, watching the terrible conditions people are traveling to come here. We know that children are being put in harm's way by the coyotes. We know the drugs that are coming here. We know what it's doing to our young generation. What are you seeing from your colleagues across the aisle? on an issue like this, they have to know that there's a problem. The Biden administration at the beginning wouldn't even call it a crisis. It's a full-blown crisis. I know it is. California is seeing this more than anyone. Do they Do they ask you what you're seeing? Do they, do they even care? You know what? I just had a town hall meeting yesterday. Okay. Only two things, gas price and border issue. Really? Because border security is our national security. We really have to do something about it. But make it very clear we are for legal immigration. Yes. We are anti-illegal immigration. Yep. You know what? As soon as you lift those Title 42, we're going to have 60,000 people just coming through that cross. And then, you know, we're talking about 1.6 million, 2 million people. We're just talking about only caught people. Yeah, so we have many, many more. Yeah. And they're not just coming from South America. They're coming from all over especially through China, made, you know, all these drugs coming in through China. I mean, you have to really watch it and we have to protect our people first. So border security is the most important part. I think Biden, President Biden finally realized, so during his State of the Union speech yeah. that, you know what, this is a crisis, but what is the difference? Yesterday is same as today. I mean, we still have these people coming in. We have to stop this. We want so, more than rhetoric for sure. We right? do, right? Oh, he yeah. did say that in yeah. the State of the Union, and now he's getting rid of Title 42. Mm -hmm. So what's what's he doing? I'm going to switch to another subject that I know you've both been champions on, and I think especially with your voices and your districts that you represent, which are very um, Asian districts, uh, you've really taken on the universities and the discrimination specifically against Asian students. 
Can you talk about that, uh, universities like Harvard and sure. others? So in 2014, when I was running for state assembly, this issue has become a really blown issue. Uh, there were over uh, 70 very large Asian American organizations that came together to oppose ACA 5 at the time. And uh, we are trying to uh, tell the story that uh, we cannot undermine the hardworking students that want to get into mm -hmm. colleges of their choice. It's got to be merit-based. But we have holistic admissions process at Harvard, Yale, places uh, like that. Mm -hmm. And so I introduced the legislation together with my former colleague in the Senate, Bob Huff, to uh, call out uh, universities like Harvard. It's got to be Mary based and it is really an undermining of our hardworking uh, students. You know, as parents, I'm a mother of four. Yeah. I always tell my students, I mean, my children, you work hard, you study hard, you get to st uh, colleges that you want. But when they are told you're not going to get there, you don't have a spot because we need to save that spot yeah. for someone else who may not meet the academic standards, but because of their background, ethnicity, because of their gender, they have a spot. And my kids are, because they are hardworking Asian Americans, they are more than 5.0s. They don't get it because of that. Okay, young. Come on. How do you get a 5.0? I'm a tiger mom. You were tiger mom. How do you get a 5.0? Can I ask that? APs, no, International Baccalaureate Program. Oh, the IB program. Oh, yes. Yeah, my kids are not. My kids, kids, you're great. But I didn't know there was a 5.0. I would have been a tiger mom with you. But it was disproportionately discriminating against Asian students. And it was accepted. And you fought that. Um, I know you've been talking about uh, the hate crimes that have been up in the Asian community as well. Can you talk about that and what you've seen, um, especially with these prosecutors, these, these defund the police? Exactly. How is that hurting mm -hmm. prosecute these types of crimes that we're seeing? So let's just go back to the university. Yeah. And they tried to bring that discrimination back to California so 2020, we had a Proposition 16. Okay. That's not just discriminating admissions of university admissions, but you know what? Everything, job, applications, and contracts and everything. It failed. So they keep bringing up, you know what? This country, we have so many different people living in here, like first generation like us. And you know what? It has to be fair, and we had to be admitted by merit basis. And then hate crime actually... Two weeks ago that I uh, testified at um, judici Judiciary Committee in U.S. Senate, Senate with uh, Senator Tim, Tim Scott. And we really have to stop that. When I was Board of Supervisor Chair in Orange County, we actually introduced the resolution. At that time, they were targeting a lot of Jewish community, anti-Semites. So we tried to stop that. Now that, you know, you're looking at these faces, I don't know how we're going to discriminate these people. I have one-fourth Korean grandkids. I have now two kids because my second one just had a baby one Congratulations. Thank you. Her I'm second one is coming. One. Are you really doing? Tomorrow. Yeah. You're going to have two grandkids? Yeah. You guys do our not kids look are, like grandmas. I'm sorry. But you our kids great. are having kids at yeah. the same yeah. time. Yeah. We did the same thing yeah. too. Yeah. So, you, know. <laughs> you guys kind of. <laughs> so how are they going to count these kids? I mean, what? You know, three-fourth. Irish and one fourth Korean. How are they going to mark on their applications? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just sometime that, you know, I think we have to stop this. Yeah. So we have to stop hate crime. We have to stop uh, 
discrimination against Asian Americans for admissions. Hopefully, that Supreme Court is going to, you know, come out that, you know, what kind of result is going to come out. But we should not rely on the court. We have to know. It's all common sense. Yeah, it is common sense. I still can't get over the 5.0. I'm still like, in my head, I'm like listening to you, Michelle, and I'm like, wait, 5.0. That's amazing. You guys are such great. Young. Your kids got 5.0. Cheyenne got 4.5 now. Okay. So I, I couldn't believe 5.0. 4.5. The thing, is, really good. the thing is, when you go to high schools that provide uh, international baccalaureate programs, they make you go through uh, the AP programs and stuff. But the important thing is, it's only at that high school with the IB programs. When you apply for colleges, A is an A, B is a B. You're exactly right. Right. So and every state's the same. Exactly. They don't say, well, After this state I has a, 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 yeah. this right. public school's this way. But yeah. I, being moms, being tiger moms, is that that's the phrase, yes. right? I'm called I'm called a helicopter mom. Oh, so that's a different phrase. But yeah. I mean, what do you think about um, what what we've seen happen to our kids during the pandemic, and especially in California? I think yes. you've got kids that are still being forced to wear masks in your mm-hmm. state, yeah. mm-hmm. and the freedoms. I think about this a lot. Our kids, for the first time, in a small way, understood what it means to have your freedom taken away when you have to wear a mask every day mm-hmm. in school. And if you take it off, you're kicked out, you're done, even though the science was not supporting that. What, what do you think about the kids in your school <laughs> and how they've been adversely impacted by a governor who cares more about the teachers' right, unions, right. who's still out not wearing a mask himself? They're all living their own different rules for them and then doing this to our kids. Well, First of all, governor never took government class in high school. <laughs> There's three branches of government. <laughs> Let's begin with. And you know what? Do we remember any calculus that we took during the high school? No, we don't. No. We remembered our friends and all those social acting that you know, what you were doing. Governor actually damaged our kids for the last two years. Yeah. It's just forever damaged. So what happened in Orange County is we had a Hebrew academy. They opened just, they never shut down. And then the other schools that they shut down and they took the test, all these kids took the test together. And Hebrew academy, I mean, their test score was much, much higher. Not just social acting and making friends, but those public schools that they shut down they had much, much lower grade because how many hours that they can sit just staring at screen and learning, especially four, yeah. five, six-year-old It was kids. so wrong for our kids. It's totally it was so wrong. wrong. But, it, you know, Democrats like to turn the page. This is over. It's over. And they don't understand, and I think we understand, there are residual effects long-term mm-hmm. on our kids mm-hmm. for Democrat policies that exactly. didn't give our kids the education they deserve but you're right, Michelle. They don't remember yeah. calculus. They remember they yeah. missed homecoming and they didn't get to go to prom. I know. Dresses. Yeah. And then, you know, had so much fun. But <laughs> so education committee that we are introducing, the parent, Parental Rights Act, because parents know about their kids more than any school board members or even teachers. And we cannot call our parents domestic terrorists. <laughs> Correct. Know. Let's stop at some place, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Go ahead. No, along say? the same lines, I wanted to talk about the uh, the legislation that yeah. I'm really uh, passionate about. Because again, like I said, I'm a, a mother of four grown kids, and now I'm a grandma. I'm I still can't the second yeah. one. But you know, during the pandemic, uh, we have seen uh, our Americans, especially women, uh, youth, uh, young adults, uh, being hurt because of the uh, suicide. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, did, so you did. yeah. So I have a bill. It's called the uh, Suicide Prevention Act, and uh, I really wanted to make sure that as a mom, as a grandma, seeing how other families are struggling and uh, suf- suffering because watching their young children who commit suicide because. Um, they just can't, uh, you know, deal with the uh, pressure, especially it's been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that we provide our support, provide more uh, funding and resources so that we can uh, come up with the programs that will be helpful in the suicide prevention. I love that. How yeah. is that, how's that bill doing right now? Well, we just, uh, we introduced there. We're okay. gaining traction. I think it's a bipartisan legislation. It's something that uh, uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers okay. and I and a few other uh, Republicans members have introduced together. But I think this really shows the importance of us uh, making sure that we raise awareness of especially helping one another, women, right? Yep. Especially youth, young adults, especially women who are having children. I love that you're Those, doing Those, uh, the maternal issues, the mental issues, uh, trying to stop suicide thoughts and making sure that we come up with the prevention programs is critically important. Because we came out of a pandemic, and a lot of kids are still in a mental health pandemic. Yes. And I think the, the Democrats have said, oh, we're going to send the money to the schools and, and to the unions, and they're forgetting the mental health component mm-hmm. for the kids, and they really do need that support. Mm-hmm. I love that you're doing that. I know you guys have to get back to votes, so I'm going <laughs> to just end. I want to end with um, – with, uh, I want to hear from each of you, but I, I will say this – the the love I have for this country as I travel this country just expounds every day as I meet amazing people like you. And I'm so impressed with the American dream and seeing that come to life in, mm-hmm. in people's stories. Uh, this election is going to determine whether this country stays the country we love mm-hmm. and that country that provides that opportunity. What has being an American and being able to come to this country and become a congresswoman meant to you? And what does this election mean for you? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the fact that Michelle and I are here serving in Congress together, the fact that we had so many dynamic women elected in our class. You do. Serving it's together. A, it's a good class. And the 21. fact that we have so many outstanding candidates running in this election cycle. And I'm serving as vice chair of the NRCC Recruitment Committee. Oh, yeah. So I've been going around talking to so many qualified awesome candidates. This really shows the fact that we can do this. Immigrants like us, it really shows that American dream is real. I always say GOP is the grand opportunity party. It's the party that gives immigrants like us chance to succeed, a chance to realize the American dream, chance to explore the opportunity and be able to have a sit at the table, have a voice and encourage others, especially young girls and women, that these we can do this. You can do better. I love it. I love it. Michelle. You know what? Stop whining. Just <laughs> run and go out there because we have so many dynamic women. Yeah. And you have to hear 
everybody's stories. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Isn't it and amazing? And we have great candidates out there too. So love to support them. But I just want to say thank you to you. Right. You opened the first community center in my district in Westminster. Yeah, we you know what they are doing? They're practicing Vietnamese dancing. And they are bringing their own food and they share the issues together in that office. And that's going to be connected to next vote because next campaign. And I'm just so grateful. And you you are embracing these minority communities that they are not going out there and speak up. There, they can speak up and they want us to hear. And we are hearing. I always tell younger kids exactly same what Young said. We did it. I think you can do much better. Wow, yeah. I love that. And the fact that we have a woman leading our <laughs> RNC in the state of California, Jessica Patterson. Yes. Young, dynamic. She's under so great. 40. Yep. Dynamic, I mean, very yes. dynamic. Linear. Think about this. Our party is such a, it's a, such a big tent. We can bring yes. in so many more of us together. And I just can't wait till November. Because at that time, we're going to shock the world. (laughs) We're going to take back the house and we're going to lead from a position of strength with ideas, initiatives. Mm -hmm. And um, I just can't wait. I can't wait either. You're getting me so excited. And we're going to crush our opponents. Oh, we're going to promise you that. (laughs) We're going to crush our opponents. Well, I can't think of a better way to end this except just to say thank you both. I have loved getting to know you. When you first ran in 2018, I've known you with... Uh, your national committee with your husband Mm -hmm. um, and obviously being in Congress. But thank you for being such great leaders for our party. We're so grateful to have you both. And anybody listening or watching, go donate to their campaigns (laughs) and make sure that we reelect them in 2022. Thank you for Congress, Michelle for Congress. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put it up on the screen. We'll make sure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming on Real America. Thanks for your leadership, too. Thank you. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.gop.com.